This episode is brought to you by VinSmart. Need help with your recall campaigns? DMVs, government agencies, fleet owners can learn more by visiting vinsmart.com slash businesses or call 1-888-950-9550. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AmbaCast. This week, we're doing something a little bit different. We are going to rerun an episode. Why? Because tis the season. It is the holiday season, so whoop-de-doo and dickery-dock. And in the holiday season, we know that in our community, there's always a big focus on the dangers of impaired driving. Last year at this time, we spent some time chatting with Rob Ritter from NHTSA about the impaired driving challenge and the campaign that NHTSA and many jurisdictions work together on to educate and inform and enforce impaired driving during this time of the year. So with that, take a listen to this episode with Rob Ritter from last year. And happy holidays to you and yours. Stay safe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AmbaCast. As we get ready for the holiday season, we're going to have a conversation today with one of the nation's top experts on impaired driving, because this is a time of year where we see some troubling trends and behaviors, and we're going to talk about what what that means. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome... uh, a friend of mine in the transportation field for many years, uh, Robert Ritter, who is with the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. Uh, More specifically, he is the director of the Office of Impaired Driving and Occupant Protection. Rob, welcome to your first appearance on the Amphicast. Ian, I really appreciate the invitation. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I I mentioned it in the introduction, we're entering the holiday season. Uh, We know for for many years, NHTSA and other uh, safety-minded organizations always try to really up the ante in the awareness of impaired driving, particularly this time of year. Uh, Why is that? What is it about the holiday season and impaired driving that becomes uh, a particularly dangerous mix? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but we definitely see more people um, uh, and more impaired drivers and impaired driving fatalities on the roads at this time of year than almost any other time of year. Um, as, as Ian, I think you know, and, and your listeners probably know, um, about a third of all traffic crashes in the U.S. involve drunk drivers. So we're talking about in 2018, more than 10,000 fatalities um, or about uh, 29% of all, all the fatalities. And in December of, of 2018, that's our, our latest data, um, we saw uh, 839 people lost their lives in traffic crashes. The Christmas and New Year's holiday periods are um, some of the most dangerous for impaired driving related fatalities more than any other holiday period. So we we know that this, this happens. Um, and so, as you said, we do try to make sure that we are upping our communications and sharing the important messages to um, get a sober ride and um, not get behind the wheel with, if, you, if you are impaired by alcohol or other drugs. Now, certainly that is in a usual year that's contributed to uh, holiday parties, uh, social gatherings, whether it's you know, at someone's house or at a event facility. Obviously, everybody knows this is not a normal year. Uh, So is that a 
a way to maybe be optimistic that there won't be as many of those gatherings that people will be on the road? Or is that, you know, Ian, you know, always the optimist being a little naive that it might, might help the situation. We're hoping that people stay home and, and, and don't gather um, because of, of COVID, because of the pandemic, and people need to be very careful associated with that. But we're not seeing a decrease in impaired driving-related fa fatalities um, as a result of the pandemic. And so I suspect that your optimism is unfortunately <laughs> misplaced. Um, because what, what we've been seeing throughout 2020 um, is, is not what we were would have expected in similar circumstances historically. Um, and so NHTSA's, we've, we've been looking at the 2020 data to try to understand what's happening. And we've looked at our first and second quarter of 2020. Um, that's the data that we've, we've had and been able to analyze thus far. And our, while the fatalities are down, um, vehicle miles traveled are also down. People are not traveling and not driving as much as they have in, in the past, but vehicle miles traveled are down a lot more than uh, fatalities are down. And so the fatality rate, that's, that's another measure we use to understand the safety on our roadways, the number of fatalities per 100 million vehicle miles traveled. That fatality rate um, is up and it's up significantly. And, um, the first quarter of 2020, it was 1.1. In the second quarter of 2020, it was 1.42. Um, and so we are seeing uh, increases in alcohol sales. Um, we're, we're seeing increases in states that have legalized marijuana. We're seeing increases in, in marijuana sales. Um, and so we're not seeing the decrease in impaired driving that we've seen in other um, and his, historically seen when, when uh, there's been a recession or an economic downturn, that's not happening. Um, and it hasn't happened in the first two quarters of, of 2020. And, and I suspect it, it won't happen in, um, in, in de December in this holiday period. So people really need to be vigilant. They need to be careful. Um, if they're enjoying and, and drinking at home, that's fine. That's great. Um, and have, a, have a happy holiday, um, but don't get behind the wheel. And you mentioned early at the outset that if you are going to do that, if you are going to go out and uh, enjoy some alcoholic beverages, to make sure you arrive, arrange a sober ride. Absolutely. For those that may, you know, talk a little more about that. What What are some of the options we should be reminding our friends and neighbors, and you know, and honestly, the the folks in our lives that aren't as integrated into transportation safety the way so many of our listeners are, how could they help spread the word with those basic tips about, you know, obviously for years, folks have talked about designated drivers, and that's certainly still something on the list, but it's grown to be a little bit, uh, it's grown to be more than just a designated driver. So there's there's lots of opportunities, Ian. Like you said, I think that the same the same techniques and tools that have always been available to us are still available. Um, so, yeah, get a sober driver. Um, make sure that you have a plan if you're, if you're going to drink. Um, there are ride sharing services available. There are taxi services available. Um, and I know everyone is less comfortable being in a close space with with other people. Um, but you need to protect yourself and it is not safe for you and it's not safe for your your neighbors and others on the road um your family wants to see you get home safely and and that means finding someone who is sober and capable to drive you home if you've been drinking or or using uh, other drugs 
So, Rob, that's the second time you've mentioned the other drug piece. Uh, and you mentioned it both in reference to, of course, the holiday season, but just even during this time of the pandemic, um, crashes and fatalities are not down as much as one would think they should be based on folks not traveling as much. But you can't, you keep adding in the, the other drugs. Um, let's talk a little bit about how impaired driving is becoming a more complicated and bigger challenge than just drunk driving. And I don't say just drunk driving to minimize it. We know that it's still a third of the crashes. Um, but we're seeing an increasing troubling trend in terms of the, the impact of other substances. Um, talk about what, what that means. And it's not just marijuana. Right. And I, I think you framed the, the question perfectly. Um, this is, alcohol is, is a significant issue. We know the numbers with alcohol. We know more than 10,000 people uh, every year lose their lives in, in fatal crashes, uh, in drunk driving related fatal crashes. Um, and that is an issue we need to continue to focus on and we need people to be aware of and, and to get the sober ride and and um, not get behind the wheel uh, impaired by alcohol. But we are seeing um, more prevalence of other drugs in drivers as well. And so that's an issue that NHTSA has been looking at for many years and, and um, doing a lot of research and work on trying to help to educate the public and decision makers about the, the dangers of using other drugs that can also impair driving related skills. And we are starting to see some um, increases in, in the prevalence of um, use of other drugs in, in drivers. Um, and that's some, so that's something that we are trying to raise awareness of and, and talk more about and, and do more research and understand the impact. There, science is, has clearly demonstrated the uh, connection between the concentration and use of alcohol and the impact on driving-related skills and crash risk. We can very clearly identify um, what happens when someone drinks, um, what happens when uh, their blood alcohol concentration reaches certain levels, and how that impacts um, their driving-related skills and their, and their crash risk that connection between the concentration and use of alcohol and crash risk um we we're it, it's a more much more uh difficult challenge to establish that connection for the use in in other drugs and so whether we're talking mm. about marijuana legalization or the opioid crisis or over-the-counter and and legal drugs that people use um some of the things that your doctor prescribes to to help you function and and feel better or heal um may impact your driving related skills and and, and people need to be aware that taking those drugs um can be an they can be driving impaired uh, impairment drugs and you need to find a, a safe way to to move around um even if you're using mm -hmm. drugs that your doctor prescribes but there there are many out there um we are trying we're doing a lot of research to understand the connection and, and the impact of those drugs on driving related skills and on crash risk and trying to make that connection we don't have a specific um, sort of prevalent uh, level of a particular drug and um, and the driving and crash risk that we like we do have with alcohol. So mm -hmm. folks need to be even more careful. Um, if you are using uh, drugs um, and you need to make sure that you're sober and you're capable before you get behind the wheel. Law enforcement officers can identify through observation the signs and symptoms of impairment. They they will pull you over, they will stop you, um, and you can be arrested and prosecuted for impaired driving, um, even if you're not using alcohol. 
Uh, they can identify those signs and symptoms. They'll stop stop you uh, to keep everyone safe um, and arrest and prosecute for uh, other drugs that impair sk driving skills as well. Mm -hmm. And I imagine in terms of educating the public and making folks aware, uh, marijuana must be an increasing challenge in that realm, especially as we look at just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we see every marijuana related ballot that was up for voters was approved. None of them were, were um, declined. So anytime, any place that had the opportunity for voters to approve legalization of marijuana, it's being approved, which uh, implies a level of safety and acceptance. And so when you don't have the data to say how much of this puts you on the risk of the road, uh, many people are, I guess, filling the void of assuming the best and not the worst. And that's a big concern from a traffic safety perspective. Absolutely. Um, the, as you said, states are uh, legalizing or decriminalizing marijuana. Um, and I think there is that assumption that if it's legal, that means it's safe. And when it comes to driving, that's not necessarily the case. We do know from studies that marijuana can negatively affect skills associated with, with driving. And marijuana can slow your reaction time. It, it can impair your coordination. It, can distort perception. Um, we have studies to demonstrate that um, folks who are using marijuana have difficulty maintaining their position within a lane when you're driving. So we know that it has an impact. Um, and it, it, the, what we aren't able to, uh, to identify at this point is a specific amount or level in a specific person um, and what that impact that has on driving skills, which is why we rely on our law enforcement pa partners uh, to identify an impaired driver who's operating on the road. But at that point, they're already putting themselves and, and their community at danger. Um, and so we really implore people to think about when you're using any of these substances, legal or not, um, what impact it has on you and whether or not you can safely operate that vehicle. And if you can't, stay home. Um, or or find a sober a sober ride. At this point, we talked about the holiday season a little bit, and I do want to raise that um, we do have a, uh, a what we call a high visibility enforcement campaign every year at this time of year, starting December 16th this year. We will be um, working with law enforcement partners all across the country. Um, we'll be sharing the drive sober, get pulled over message, and they will be out um, and increasing their presence in communities to identify and, and stop and um, impair drivers. So that's drive sober, get pulled over associated more with, with, the, with alcohol, um, but it's also combined with our, if you feel different, you drive different, drive high, get a DUI uh, messaging. And that's important messages we try to educate consumers and, and the public on um, what impact that any of these drugs might have on you. If, if they make you feel different, um, they, they may very well be making you drive different. You have to be really careful. That's fantastic. I and mean, when you talk about high, high visibility enforcement, are you talking about checkpoints or are there other tactical implementations of that high, high uh, visibility enforcement? So that's up to the local communities to, de to determine. And so some states may be, and law enforcement agencies may be doing checkpoints. Others may be doing saturation patrols. They may have um, more officers out on the road. Um, they may have uh, officers more 
dedicated to traffic safety enforcement and, and looking for impaired drivers um, in a more concentrated way than they do on a, on a regular day. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that uh, law enforcement agencies are participating in the high visibility enforcement campaign. Our messaging is out. Um, we want to make sure people are aware and thinking about this, particularly during the holiday season, and, and officers are out in a variety of different ways um, looking to find, identify impaired drivers and take them off the road. Now, how much of it is a challenge for enforcement? Certainly, they can get them off of the road right there based on the way they're behaving. But in terms of sanctions that can make behavior correction, the, the lack of that data that ties specific amount of a, a drug in your system to impairment, uh, it's a challenge, I'd imagine, for the enforcement and and for the courts when we don't have something as black and white as, say, a breathalyzer, where you blow 0.08 or higher, boom, clearly you are in violation and there's a process in place. With, say, marijuana or even prescription drugs, outside of the officer's observation of the behavior, which, like you said, could get them off the road immediately, which for safety purposes is critical because that's what's going to keep somebody alive. But in terms of uh, a sanction that that helps the behavior correction, uh, wh where's the conversation happening in the enforcement and judicial community to create something similar to that breathalyzer 0.08 standard? Impaired driving is illegal in all 50 states. It doesn't matter what's what substance is causing the impairment. Impaired driving is, is illegal, and people um, can be stopped. They can be arrested, prosecuted, and convicted for impaired driving. And a lot of those cases are based on the, the officer's observation of the driving task and of the driver. And so the officers will identify an impaired driver based on the signs and symptoms they see of the vehicle, and then they'll, they'll talk to the driver at the side of the road and try to identify what's causing um, the impaired driving signs that they, that they saw. And based on that, the officer's investigation, um, what they saw and what they found in, in um, in conducting roadside uh, sobriety tests and um, interviews with the uh, with the driver, they can then provide that information to the prosecutor, and we have successful convictions of impaired driving all across the country. Um, the question of a breathalyzer for drugs um, is a more difficult and complicated question. Um, but first and foremost, we do not need um, a breathalyzer, and we do not need a um, a specific uh, limit for a concentration of a drug in order to identify impaired drivers or to uh, arrest and convict an impaired driver. NHTSA supports training for law enforcement officers across the country to help in identify impaired drivers. All officers are trained in the standardized field sobriety testing, or SFST. But to identify and arrest drug-impaired drivers, NHTSA works with the International Association of Chiefs of Police on a specialized training program called the Drug Recognition Experts. These specialized trained officers follow a proven, systematic, standardized 12-step process that helps allows them to determine whether a suspect is impaired by drugs, and if so, by what drug category or categories. There are close to 10,000 DREs across the country, and they are among the best tools we have to keep drug-impaired drivers off our roads. 
but DREs can't be everywhere. Um, so NHTSA also works with IACP and law enforcement agencies to supplement the SFST training with advanced roadside impaired driving enforcement training or A-RIDE. And A-RIDE bridges that gap between the SFSTs and the rigorous DRE training. It provides information about drug impairment, reinforces officer skills to observe, identify, and articulate the signs of impairment related to drugs, alcohol, or a combination of both. Um, so A-RIDE training is available to a lot more officers than, than simply DREs and allows those officers to identify when they need to call in a DRE for that expert um, evaluation of a suspect. Bottom line, yeah, officers can identify impaired drivers. They will stop them, they will investigate, and they will arrest drivers who are impaired by alcohol or drugs. Uh, and, you know, it it's, brings up a conversation you and I have had offline uh, in the past, Rob, this idea that there's somehow different tolerance for the way you're impaired. And, it, and what we're getting at, which you said in your answer there, and I think it's worth repeating, um, if you're impaired and can't drive, you're impaired and can't drive. It really shouldn't matter as to what that is, whether it's alcohol, drugs, or even, you know, you didn't sleep and you're a drowsy driver. You're still not capable of operating safely. That's right. And, you know, from my perspective and from, from NHTSA, we want to ensure that the roadway environment is safe and that, that every driver behind who's behind the wheel is capable of um, managing that responsibility and, and being safe and, and protecting themselves and protecting their community um, and not, not ending up in um, a tragic situation. And so, as you said, there are a number of, any number of, of things that could impair a driver. Um, whether that's alcohol or drugs or, or drowsy or, or looking at your cell phone. Um, and so we at NHTSA want to work to uh, prevent any of those, um, those situations and circumstances behind the wheel so that people are focusing on the driving task, capable of the driving task, and can safely get from um, wherever they, they are to wherever they need to be. And so it's really important um, that people understand um, that driving is risky uh, and that they need to be in control uh, and, and focused whenever they're driving. And you mentioned the opioid crisis a little bit earlier, and I just wanted to, to, to double back to that. There's a lot happening in that space uh, throughout the country, throughout the world, in terms of the dependency on these uh, types, of, types of medicine. Uh, what are the trends you're seeing in terms of the opioid crisis and the work? What's the work NHTSA is doing, I guess, maybe with the medical community to better inform patients in terms of, you know, how to, how to understand those, those risks? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, Ian. We, we are trying to get information out across all channels and to as many different um, stakeholders as we can to address this issue. So we are certainly trying to provide information to the medical community um, about the, the dangers that, that opioids pre present potentially to driving skills. Same with, with marijuana and, and alcohol. Um, and we, we try to share that information based on the research that we know and um, different uh, training um, partners that we have that, that can work with the medical community and with doctors and, and with nurses to share that information. Um, so we want to make sure that there are trusted partners who are, are talking to patients, um, talking to people who, who have um, substance uh, use disorders, who, who can help to explain that these substances have impacts all across their lives, but particularly on, their, on driving and driving skills. 
So the theme of driving and driving skills, obviously our listeners are primarily from the motor vehicle and law enforcement communities. We've talked a lot about the law enforcement role. Uh, We haven't talked so much about the role of the driver licensing agency in some of these these issues. Is there anything that you and NHTSA want to take the opportunity to remind those in the driver licensing business or anything else that they can do as safety partners uh, to help with these initiatives? Yeah, we, they're important partners, um, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to everyone. Um, first of all, I think um, sharing information and communicating and providing these messages to the, the people who are using the system, to the drivers, is really important. Um, so any help that you can get, that we can get in, um, in sharing messages and ex- explaining the need to be careful and to understand that there are impacts of, of using these substances on driving is really helpful. Um, the other piece is, uh, particularly in states that have administrative sanctions, um, that that's a really important uh, that the motor vehicle association community is helping to ensure that those sanctions are appropriately applied. And so, when someone is is pulled over, identified, um, if there is a, a an administrative sanction that's possible or or, or required in a, in a particular state for someone who is suspected of impaired driving, we need to ensure that 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 is appropriately applied um, and that all the the entire term of those sanctions are are conducted so that people can get the help that they need, um, but those who aren't safe to drive are, are, are kept off the road. Well, Rob, you know, your appearance here on the Amvacast um, is great to connect you with our community. We've not really had the opportunity for you to come to one of our conferences, really talk to the DMV community di- directly. So we always like to let people know a little bit about the person we're, we're talking to. You uh, are in this role, but you've been with the, the DOT and in the safety community um, for most of your career, correct? That's right. I've, I've had the privilege of working in transportation um, for, a, for my entire career and spent 15 years with the, the Federal Highway Administration before I came over to this position at NHTSA. And how long ago was that when you moved over to NHTSA? Uh, I joined NHTSA about two years ago as the, the director of the Office of Impaired Driving and Occupant Protection. I had devoted uh, a lot of my career to uh, tra- traffic safety um, and worked in the Office of Safety at Federal Highway. So I've been working on uh, transportation safety and, and traffic safety issues for um, for over a decade at this point. So the fir- first part was more on the infrastructure side at Federal Highways and now moving to the behavioral side at NHTSA, if you will. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. But but it, it's a system, um, and really, um, it's it all of us working together um, to provide for safe roads and safe users of those roads and safe vehicles. Um, it's it's all of those pieces that we need to apply together, uh, work together, and coordinate. And if we're going to get to uh, to zero fatalities across mm-hmm. the country. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess those safe vehicles ties into the other part of your title that maybe we'll have you back on a future episode to talk about occupant protection, a whole other category of an important safety element when you're in the vehicle. 
Absolutely. It gives me the opportunity, Ian, I appreciate it to remind everyone to buckle up. Yeah. Uh, buckle up every every ride, every time, wherever you are in the vehicle. It's the most important thing you can do to protect yourself if something goes wrong. Um, but we also want you to be sober to, to prevent anything from going wrong as, as much as possible. Absolutely. You you need to do all those things and, and more to keep yourself safe, keep your family safe, and keep the people you don't know on the road safe. That's right. Yeah. We are, we're, it, it, the impacts of, of impaired driving are not just on you. Mm-hmm. Um, the impacts are on, on your family, on your neighbors, uh, on your community. Um, and uh, while a lot of these crashes are single vehicle crashes, um, in, in far too many circumstances, impaired drivers are killing others who are innocent people on the, on the mm-hmm. roads because of mistakes that they made and getting behind the wheel impaired. Absolutely. They're, they're all, all tragedies, every single one of them. Well, Rob, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with us on the Amvacast. Uh, like I said, maybe we'll have you back again to talk about some of these other safety topics. Uh, want to thank everybody for listening today. Want to thank our producer, Claire Jeffrey, and we'll see you all on the next episode of the Amvacast. Stay well, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Amvacast, hosted by Ian Grossman. Produced by Claire Jeffrey. Music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.